Welcome back, everybody, to our online bonus segment. We call it Lively Extra when 30 minutes is just not enough. Let me reset the panel again. Scott McKay and Lisa Pelosi and Billy Hunt, I was reminded that I didn't say goodbye to you in the last segment. So uh, so welcome in, even though I didn't say goodbye. Uh, the story that I thought was going to be the headline at the beginning of the week kind of got shoved down. But it's, it's so critical. Providence has a new uh, superintendent, Javier Montanez, and it raises the larger issue of where we are with the state takeover. And it's just, I mean, we've been talking about this for, well, for as long as we've been reporters. <laughs> so your thoughts about, one, the commissioner. We have the, the superintendent, new superintendent, looks great. He's, he's a homegrown product. He's been Providence schools. He's been assistant principal. So he's not some guy coming in. It takes him a year to figure out where the bathroom is. But there are these larger issues now with the, where the education commissioner is in Providence, and it's a big morass. Right, and we've got to remember this commissioner was brought in by our former governor. So um, our current governor, McKee, has inherited all of the cabinet, including this commissioner. So we haven't he heard from him as a very strong vote of confidence in this commissioner. So she's out there trying to do you know, her job, I think looking over her shoulder, wondering if the governor's on, you know, behind her or not. I think this... He's been hard to read, don't you think? I mean, he's been... He just hasn't really said much. Right. And he's just walking this very fine line that he's trying not to stir anything up right now, you know, yeah. you know take anything controversial or whatever. So we, we have a new superintendent. Makes me wonder why he wasn't included in when we were looking for a new superintendent a couple years ago. And when I was looking into this, um, we've had, this is our 12th superintendent in 20 years in Providence. And it's a bonus cr you know, credit if anyone can name all 12 of them, <laughs> you know, so. <laughs> the other Tom Brady. That's right. Melody you Johnson, Deanna Lom. That. So they keep trying to say, don't put so much focus on this teacher's contract, but this, they haven't had a contract in 18 months, and it looks like we're not going to have one by the end of this year. So that's another challenge for this governor and working with this commissioner, again, because the, um, the Providence schools have been taken over by the state, so the responsibility is on the state. Yeah, and the forward. people who li listen to this and say, why should I care in Providence schools? A lot of our tax dollars yeah. go into Providence. Yeah, it's definitely something that uh, if you're in a town like mine, like Warren, and you know, a good portion of our tax bill is going to uh, the Providence school system, so it's something that we really uh, should be concerned about. Uh, Jorge Alorza is expecting them to come and enact the Crowley Act to go over and just uh, you know redo the contract. Bang some heads. Yeah, uh, Tim Duffy from the um, uh, the school committee uh, association. association. Yep. He was on the radio the other day uh, talking about how their focus is uh, the students' bill of rights, and they want to make education a constitutional uh, right here in the state as a way of you know going and attacking these union contracts and to, to get Which them. it isn't in Rhode Island like some other states. Like in Massachusetts, right? for yeah. example, is what he brought up. So I, I think that there's a lot of uh, interesting, you know, moving pieces to all this, and it, it comes back to, uh, you know, the, the Providence Teachers Unions and their contracts and, and how much are they willing to give up. And I, one of the things in that interview that it was very surprising to me and it was enlightening was uh, how much the horse trading goes on in the background between the unions and the municipalities uh, to change language in the contract so they can get the deal done with the same cost, the same number, but you end up giving all these giveaways. Uh, an example he gave was an extra five days to grade exams at the end of the semester, which then you know effectively reduces the length of the school year. That uh, you know the, then the ed commissioner has to come in and and, and break that up. So um, I think that it's it's definitely something that uh, you know everybody has an opinion about how the schools should be run, and that's why the libertarians think that we should have school choice and people be able to uh, go to a school that they are able to uh, fit their their bill and what they're looking for. We could do another half-hour show on that, yes. so uh, school choice. Scott, what do you think? Well, there's been prickly labor management relations in problem Providence for quite some time. And I think one of the first things the governor should do 
uh, now that the commissioner is out of this swirl, is try to set a reasonable deadline. How about getting a contract done before the schools start in September? That would be a nice thing. It's way too practical. <laughs> too logical, perhaps. But I just think that, that the governor is at some point going to have to get involved in this. It's true that he did not have a strong relationship or, frankly, any relationship at all with Governor Raimondo. And so he is going to have to come in here with some new ideas and obviously some new personnel. The, the head of the schools now really in Providence is an interim, right. although perhaps that person could be made uh, permanent. Who knows? Like I say, it's at least someone who does understand the system as it is. Now, Scotty, let me uh, stay with you and shift gears to national. The infrastructure plan looks like some uh, a bipartisan um, agreement. I don't know where we're going to wind up between here and there. Clearly, Joe Biden was shooting pretty high, and he's going to have to come back to earth a little bit. And a lot of people are saying this really has to get done over the summer if it's going to happen. What, what do you think as you view this, trying to deal with Democrats and Republicans and coming to some meeting of the minds? Well, it's quite a scrum, first of all, if you look at what's happening, and everybody... Uh, tries to say they're doing this in good faith, but some people aren't. And I do think that when you say the end of the summer, I think we need to put this on, you know, on the road to completion before we get into the next election cycle, because otherwise nothing will get done. And I think everyone knows if you look around the Western world, you look around, you see that our infrastructure is not nearly as competitive as it is with other countries. And I think that one of the things that Trump did in it, he didn't do everything bad, was focus on trade. And I think that one of the things Biden wants to do is Trump did it by tariffs, more by punishment of free trade. I think one thing Biden's trying to do is invest in American manufacturing, invest in research and development, and see if we can make our workers and our companies more competitive in that realm. You know, infrastructure is truly a bipartisan issue. It should be. And it should be. And in this case, it should have every governor in, in, in the United States saying, we want this money, you know, to fix And a lot our, have. And, and, and they have. So here's what's going on. Infrastructure used to be buildings and roads. Right. But now, uh, under um, President Biden, it's turning into internet and veterans housing. And, and equity. You know, and what, yeah. you know, so it's been so expanded. So when you start talking trillion instead of billions, that's why Republicans are just you know, putting the brakes on, because there's been so much money coming out of Washington. This can be done if we can come to a compromise agreement for a smaller package. It can be done. And I Should think, be. I think ultimately that's going to have to happen, and maybe Biden thought that all along. Let's aim for here when you come in. That's true. I mean, like, what's the uh, 10, 15 percent to your point is, is actually going towards roads and bridges. The rest is going to all whatever else is considered uh, infrastructure. Uh, it's something that, uh, you know, again, in the state of Rhode Island in particular, we have terrible uh, roads and bridges. Uh, we have the Roadworks program in our 10-year plan. Uh, the big question I have is that it's now uh, summer construction season. You're driving around. You're seeing all the work crews out there. Uh, has anybody else noticed that all the roadwork signs have disappeared, the red and yellow green dots? Is that something that oh, is just... Oh, and that says brought to you by Governor Raimondo? Well, yeah. <laughs> I, mean, I don't know. Is that something that uh, is uh, Governor McKee... Maybe knows? McKee doesn't want to have anything to do with your obsessed with transparency right? or anything like that. I don't know, but it just seems to me that, uh, you know, these programs, they get introduced. Uh, there's a thousand different facets that, that go into it. Uh, but it's, it's something that, uh, you know, we just need to have the de dedicated revenue stream and, you know, Put it to work. That's all well, it is. Part of it is how do we define infrastructure? 
Uh, is childcare infrastructure? Well, some people think it is. Some people think it isn't. I would argue that broadband, given what's happening, should actually apply as infrastructure. But how soon before Elon Musk or whoever comes up with a, a completely different version of uh, high access internet that completely makes all this infrastructure work completely obsolete? And that why is the government going to pay for it? It's going to be like the old cell phones that were on the side of the highway and then all of a sudden everybody got cell phones and you don't need them anymore. Well, there is something to be said for the private sector innovation economy, but it's true that a lot of people have been left behind on the internet highway. And people don't have the skills, and, and there is an equity uh, argument there, too. Scotty, any truth to the rumor you were in the breakdown lane of the information superhighway? I sure <laughs> am. I right, sure last am. thought, 30 seconds. You know, I, I think President Biden really wants to make a bipartisan compromise, and I think that's what he ran on for president, that I'm going to bring this country together. So I am going to look to him. There are some really thoughtful Republicans who are uh, on these bipartisan committees trying to make this happen. So let's just give this the time to make it work, and let's you know turn to President Biden and let him use his power as president to bring us together. All right, folks, to be continued. Thank you again for joining Joining us for this online bonus segment. We'll see you back here next week. Scotty and Lisa and Billy, thank you so much. We'll be back here next week as the Lively Experiment continues.